My brother Fred was a Delta. That makes me a legacy. They gotta take me. It's like their law. Don't worry, I'll put in a good word for you. Great. I heard Delta's the worst house on campus. Hi, folks. Welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 126, and today we're going to be talking about Animal House. This great and fantastic film stars John Belushi, Tim Matheson, Kevin Bacon, Karen Allen, and a host of other great actors. I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Ken. Mind if I dance with the old date, Roni? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. But it's done okay for me the past couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, that is actually probably one of the most iconic quotes of all uh, cinema, when you think about it. All right. And also saying hello to all of us is our other very good and dear friend, Mark. Thank you, sir. May I have another Slover? Hey, Mark Slover, Rush Chairman. Damn glad to meet you. Oh, God damn it, Slover. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> you know what? I don't think I've been, uh, I don't think you've actually did this to me the, the entire two years we've been doing this show. But also saying uh, hello is our other good and dear friend, Jeff, uh, Rush Chairman Muncie. Back when I was actually a, uh, a fraternity guy and, uh, I would introduce myself as uh, Jeff Muncy, Rush Chairman. Damn glad to meet you. You guys haven't seen this movie more than twice, have you? What's What are we doing tonight? Here we go. People see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, we are going to be doing Animal House, and this is, uh, gosh, is there anybody who has not seen this movie? There's going to be no spoilers here because we know everybody has seen this. I think this is kind of like a coming-of-age movie for anybody who actually goes to college. This may be also the one of the highest requested movies we've had on Facebook. Has it been? Animal House has? We've had a lot of requests for Animal House. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, in 1978, it was uh, John Landis was the director. The writers... <laughs> the writers. The writers... Drink. Uh, the writers were Harold Ramis... And Douglas Kearney, and there's one other guy, and I got to click for the one more credit dude. So who is it? Chris Miller. So there you go. Those are the three writers. So Harold Ramis, I didn't even realize he uh, he was a writer on this one. So there you go. And we've got some uh, some actors in there. We're going to talk about later that this is one of their first shows. All right, guys. But before we uh, get too far into uh, uh, the movie, then we're going to give you the Man Cave movie intro to this great and fantastic film. At Favor College, Dean Wormer is determined to expel the entire Delta Tau Chi fraternity. The Delts have other plans. Mr. Michaels. Hello. Zero point two. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. She stole my line. Well, I, like I said, that is, there's a lot of iconic lines from this. Holy shit! Oh. I must and that's have. one of them. 
Yeah, that's. I think, uh, that, I think that was a line in the uh, Dean's Warmer's office with the horse, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, <laughs> when they were sawing the horse off. For anybody who has not seen this movie, you obviously are too young to be listening to this podcast. I'll just say that right now. But uh, for those of you who are like um, 20 years younger than us, you had to have seen this movie. And if you haven't, you need to go see it. Guys, let's kick it off. Probably one of the funniest movies. If you had to pick a top 10, probably one of the funniest movies up there, would you say? It's up there. I always do bad trying to list like top tens or my favorite movies or something. But no, this is, like we said, there's a lot of iconic lines. Everybody uses them. In its time, this was sort of a groundbreaking movie because it was one of the first successful sort of youth-oriented, gross-out, you know, snobs versus slobs, which became, I mean, all in the 80s, that those basic themes just got cranked out constantly. For a lot of movies that we love and value to this day. And I think it, it's one of those movies that completely changed the cultural landscape of, of college life for probably 10 years afterwards. Toga parties. Th- this was an iconic movie about college life, and it probably did more for college recruitment, like Top Gun did for naval recruitment, than any college recruiting efforts on the behalf of colleges. And it probably wasn't the kind of college recruitment necessarily that the universities wanted. Um, but it, it also dealt with a lot of interesting, you know, it dealt with issues humorously, but it dealt with some, with some other issues like, oh, race, sex, oh. politics. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing of it is, is that when I look at this movie, it was made in, uh, 1970, 1978. So basically, yep. Let's see, I went to college in 86, so what, um, eight years later. I mean, it was basically, I was in a fraternity house, uh, you know, eight years after this movie came out. And, you know, the, you know, the fraternity I was in, I was only there for a semester, folks, just so you know, I wasn't the, the typical kind of frat boy because my grades weren't good enough to stay there and the money ran out. So that's where I ended up. And although I did graduate, I did get an education. Uh, I did move on and uh, did, actually did something with my life so far. But to be honest with you guys, I mean, that lifestyle that you saw there, I mean, it was kind of like that uh, Austin Powers type of thing where they really exaggerated what the fraternity life was like. I went to a private school, the fraternity I was in, so we didn't have those kind of parties. Well, I mean, we did, but not like all the time. That particular house, I think they were trying to like stereotype it as more of the you know, the party house and everybody else is like prim and proper wearing ties. None of the houses were like that. But, you oh, know, not it, me. Oh, contraire, mon ami. When I, the university I went to, there was, a, there were, there was literally a house across from a house that was like the, 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 the goody two shoes house. And, um, they were truly an animal house to the point that at one party one night at 2 a.m., and I was there, so I watched it. One of the gentlemen stepped out of the front door of the Animal House fraternity with a recurve bow, a flaming arrow, which he shot across the street into the door of the hated and loathed good guy preppy fraternity house because they had just restained their door and set their door on fire at 2 a.m. This was followed two weeks later by them taking blasting caps and blowing up the... Uh, the Lambda Kai's letters in their front yard. 
Well, this is after I I keep saying that flaming arrows are overdone in movies. You're saying there should have been flaming arrows in Animal House. There should have been. <laughs> but you're right. I, it it is over it is over dramatized. But there are still you know things like this are based off of occurrences, true, true events, true events. Yes. Maybe not all at one place. The thing I really like about this show, I think question whether there's a real storyline here. It just is a lot of um, little vignettes or a lot of just little – a lot of little stories pieced together to come up with an actual movie. I mean, I think this was a Jim Belus, Belushi um, vehicle, and and I think they they just built this around them with some – which is some great one-dimensional actors. Because everybody in here has their role, and they play their role very well. Uh, there's no there's no pretense to what these guys are about or who these guys are. There's there's no deep meaning to them. But it it like I think somebody alluded to in the beginning. This is a story of the you know the difference between the haves and the have-nots, and this is how they this is how they handle different. This is how they handle their world. Well, you got the you know the Delta Tau Chi fraternity is what they are. They're the party house. It's like you look at all the fraternity houses uh, of everybody else in these, you know, these pristine, like, Greek classical-looking homes. Then you get to the Delta Chi house. It looks like, you know, it looks like the Munster house burned down. It, it's <laughs> it's that bad. I mean, it's, you're like, oh, my gosh. You know, and these guys are just having parties all the time. I mean, there's, you know, burned-out cars in the front lawn. It's just like a disaster. And and the whole the whole object of the show, or I should say, the whole plot of the show is to you know get this house, get their charter revoked, and get him kicked off campus. So that's what Dean Wormer is all about. And you know, there's the other fraternity that is kind of in cahoots with the campus to get him kicked out. So yeah, you've got that. Like you guys said, it's kind of like that have have nots because you don't get the impression that nobody in this house is or the rich kids. Everybody else is, and, and and it's kind of it was almost kind of like the precursor to the um, oh god what the hell was his name the guy that did all the eighties movies with the uh, oh Christ help me out guys Hughes yeah the John Hughes movies it was it was almost kind of like this was like a pre John Hughes movie type of thing but with a lot more comedy and fun um, that's a good that's a good point Steve yeah. this one actually is well done. Without <laughs> I was going to say, there's less angst in it, isn't I, there? That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. There's just no angst in this movie. I mean, this is just good old-fashioned, unadulterated fun. I mean, that's all we're having here. And that's all it's meant to be, is just one-liner after one-liner, look after look, and just dramatic delivery of straight lines by, by, by people that are way too serious. And then you've just got cornball responses from the guys in the animal house well and that, and that's the thing you you see some great acting from a lot of uh actors that were i mean this was pretty much some of them were like this was the first movie uh let's see john belushi was still doing snl as a matter of fact when we talk about the trivia he was literally flying back and forth every day uh because he's still on snl and still doing this movie and I, I'll be honest with you guys. I I was too young to remember Belushi during the SNL days to really appreciate him. And there was something about him that never really rubbed me right. It just like I don't know. He just it, it on SNL. It just didn't seem funny. But in this movie, 
he was hysterical. I mean, it just like he made the movie. And he hardly utters a word throughout the whole movie. I mean, he, it's mostly his expressions. And, and I mean, that scene when he's like dressed up like the, you know, he's almost like in that ninja outfit. I swear, when I saw that scene, I, I started laughing my ass off because I'm like, that's Jeff Muncy. That's Jeff Muncy. I was going to say, I just, I Jumping can picture about, looking around, leaping up on the stairs, hopping around. A frog making certain everything waving his arm. Gen Con, here I come. And, oh. oh my god. No, oh my you're god, freaking Muncie. Yep. Oh, god. Yeah. I have to jump oh, in and point god. out that as the older guy here, I do remember Belushi on SNL. It came out of nowhere. Yep. And that whole SNL gang were just the phenomenon. They were so hot. You know, you dropped, I mean, I can still remember the first time I heard about it. I mean, I like dro- literally dropped what I was doing and ran off to, to watch it. Uh, you know, everybody from that first round of SNL people did okay. They, you know, they, they, they were just, again, for a se- several years, they were on top. Uh, Belushi was a very funny guy. He did several other good movies besides this. I mean, he died way too young, obviously, but he, you know, he lived, yeah, he lived, lived hard and died young. Uh, I gotta throw in one thing though, and that is, as I've aged, because again, I, I saw this in the theaters. I mean, I can remember going to Castleton Square with my sister and brother and not knowing what we were gonna watch. We wound up watching this when it first came out. And we were just, again, had a great time. I mean, funny as hell. They weren't making movies like this. I mean, maybe something like Kentucky Fried Movie or something like that. But, as an older person, as I've gotten older and wiser, I think, in the end, today, I think I'd be rooting for Dean Wormer. Really? Yeah. These guys are a bunch of thieving, no good, destructive, cheating. Ah, they're, they're, they're just, I mean, yeah, they're funny as hell, but if you look at what they're doing, they're reprobates. They'll bring the whole campus down. They need to be tossed off. You know what, Ken? That that's actually a really good point. They, I, I could see that at the, you know at our age right now. It's like yeah, they're a bunch of fun guys, but yeah, you're right. They're you know they cheat. They're you know they 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 don't ri- they're there just a party. Aside from that, if you think about it, they're an example of those that are a victim of society, trying to keep them down, and keep them in a place that society feels they should be. You know, really, if Dean Wormer and the other guys were serious, they would have mentored these young men and brought them up in the proper way. But instead, it was easier for them to keep their thumb on them or run them out of town. And you know what? That's You're just not, not stand a, for this. That's just not America. No. <laughs> I, Gentlemen, I, it's yeah. I could see it's going to yep. be that kind of show tonight. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, you know, let's real quick. Let's talk about uh, some of the actors in this. Just real briefly, because I know we've got a lot of ground to cover on this on this show. Uh, obviously, you've got uh, a lot of people that this was like one of their first movies, and a lot of people might recognize some pretty famous people that were in here. Uh, one of them I'm just going to throw right off the bat was Donald Sullivan. And well, I, to that point, um, I was reading an article about the making of this movie, and the studio, if he had not signed on, and basically, he was doing um, 
invasion of the body snatchers down in San Francisco. Yeah. So he came up for two days. If he had not signed on, this movie probably wouldn't have gotten made because the studio wanted a star. And Belushi was not a star at that point. No one was until they got Don Sutherland because he was doing a favor for Landis or one of the other, one of the other guys. Right. Um, it's a big deal that they got him because he saved the movie before it even got out of the gate. Well, can I can I say something about Sutherland and saving the movie and negotiating all that, which I found in my research, is they went to Sutherland and said, look, dude, we'll give you 35 grand and 15% of the gross. And his agent went like, screw that. Give me 15, 50 grand and we'll call it even. Yeah, just think. <laughs> if you take so it. they did. That's what you call I forget. I forget what. 15% of the gross was, but it's multi-millions. Mm -hmm. uh, to put it in layman's terms, his agent f***ed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, loose and steam. So there you go. You had, you had Sutherland, who was uh, your, your big-name actor there, um, John Vernon. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've seen him before. Uh, he played Dean Wormer, and he also played Mark. Well, he played in the outlaw Josie Wales. Yep. Right. He was, uh, what was his name? Fletcher. Yeah, he Fletcher. was Fletcher. Yeah. And, and the amazing thing is, is that you really got to see, uh, if you guys, uh, for the listeners, if you've not seen this one, you really get to see the acting range of John Vernon because the role he plays in this versus the role he plays in Josie Wales, you can't get more opposite than those two. So, I mean, it's it's really worth seeing him. And he actually plays a really good part in this movie. Uh, another one of my favorite actors is Bruce McGill. He plays Daniel. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hardest working actor in Hollywood. Yep. Biggest character actor in Hollywood. I mean, always busy. Yeah, let's put it this way, folks. If you've been watching movies, you've seen Bruce McGill in a movie. Wasn't Bruce McGill the... Opposite counsel in My Cousin Vinny. I think it's the right guy. Well, let's see. When when, when was My Cousin Vinny? He actually, what, he what was yeah. the opposing attorney in My Cousin Vinny, which is a movie I love. The two youths. <laughs> <laughs> the two youths. Yeah, he was in Lincoln. Yeah. Most recently, Lincoln, Cinderella Man. Yeah. The guy's been in a bunch of stuff. The guy is in everything. So he's doing about two movies a year, maybe three. And yeah. he's on TV all the time too. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. He's just working. All right. Uh another one of my favorite actors, and I like this guy, is Tim Matheson. Uh he uh -huh. played Eric Stratton. And uh for those of you who don't know who Eric, uh Tim Matheson is, uh he has been in a bunch of movies. He was in um oh gosh, Nin if you got nineteen forty one. Nineteen forty one. And if you guys actually watch the series Burnos. He was, and I'll tell you what, again, you see a completely different character that he plays in this. And you see him in Burn Notice, you're kind of like, he, he's kind of, he's kind of playing evil otter. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. wow. it's evil yeah. otter. He's got this yeah. charm about him, but God almighty, you just want him to die badly. Well, and you know who he was? He was the voice of the original Johnny and of the original Johnny Quest. 
Was he really? Awesome. Yep. Really? Yep. He was the original Johnny Quest boy. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. In the early 60s. Yeah. Well, then you got Kevin Bacon. Yep. Well, Kevin Bacon's been in everything, so that doesn't count. I mean, he's, I mean, well, you got the seven connections, so. Right. And then Karen Allen, we talked about her in Raiders. And this was her first movie, I believe. Was it? I believe it was her first Pretty, movie, yes. Pretty sure. Yes. You know, one, of, one of my favorite actors is uh, is Mark Metcalf. Yeah. And I only say favorite, not that he's in a lot, but one of the great things that he was in was uh, some of the, uh, anybody's familiar with the 1980s uh, hair metal band Twisted Sister. Oh, my he God. Was in, <laughs> he was Once in he a couple. Seriously? <laughs> Here we he go. He was in a couple of their videos. Yep. Um, and he was, uh, he was definitely typecast to basically, um, relive his role as, uh, as Doug Niedermeyer. But he's yep. also been in a ton of stuff. Yep. Yep. And he's still working. Yeah. Guys still doing stuff. Well, and then, you know, there's Tom Holt, who's probably best known for Amadeus. Yes. Amadeus is a great movie. Great movie. Not a man cave movie, but a great movie. No. Yeah, I've never seen it, but I, I am, in, I am curious. I, I do have. You to should, check. you should watch it. Yeah, I should check. About F. Murray Abram, Abraham. It's a uh, good character study. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have to check it out. And then Stephen Firth. Flounder. Oh, Stephen Firth, Flounder. So we got Flounder in there. So I mean, Stephen Firth. I mean, he is, he is a great guy. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll be talking about him a little bit later, but uh, he is. He he was a great character in this movie. He was that typical fish out of water. No pun intended, because <laughs> they called him Flounder. But, oh, I mean, he man. was... Ah! He, yeah. I mean, he definitely was that fish out of water. He... Yeah, I like that. I'm a like... And they didn't even... He was a legacy. This is bad. When you're the worst house on campus and you're a legacy and they still don't want you, that tells you what his character was, so... He was also in a Twisted Sister video. Was he really? Yeah, I want to rock. Unfortunately, all the really hot women in this movie really didn't go on to do anything else. Uh, you had Martha Smith. Let's uh, back this up a second. They were maybe moderately attractive. It's on now. Seriously? No, I mean, I can see how you might like Karen Allen. I think you might think she's hot. No, I don't. I, I've got to point out, Martha Smith was... Play, Playboy magazine's Playmate of the Month. Thank you, right. Ken. Thank End you. of story. Yeah. When it comes down to, is this chick hot or not, bam. Hold on. Playboy used Lindsay Lohan. All right. There's not a standard being no, set. No. Or this was, this was, she was Playmate of the Month back when it mattered. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Hold on, guys. I'm gonna, I'll be back in about 15 minutes. Ken, what? things have been a lot different since the uh, term of Lincoln, so. <laughs> <laughs> Four score and a couple of years ago. No, there were actually outside of Karen Allen, who I mean, she's she's cute. I mean, no, she's not. No, she's a, she's, she's, not. A, she's she's cute. not even. She's not Karen even. Allen is cute. She's no, cute. No, but Martha Smith though, was uh, wow. Yeah, she was. She was wow. Mary Louise Weller was was more attractive than she was. No, she wasn't. Oh yeah, she was. No, she wasn't. Oh, she was. All right. All right, all right, you too. All right, so we're going to move on to uh, some other actors before. Um, Knock it off, girl. Yeah, because my because he is disturbing my calm. 
<laughs> and what else is new? Yeah. So uh, is it time for you to play the penny on the rail train wreck music? Nah, you know what? It's that's I'm a, just getting warmed up, Ken. Do you know who I did think was really attractive in this one? Dean Warmer's wife, Birna Bloom. She was. Uh, she was kind of. I I could I could handle her. Yeah, she was she was Which rocking. Was she? Dean Warmer's wife. Yeah, see oh, the see, Nancy Pelosi look alike. Son yes. of a. Totally get that, Steve. Totally get why. I mean, she looked about seventy years old in this movie. I get that, Steve. Look, youngster, you can zip it. Sorry. You know, I'm going to move on because I'm literally, I've already got my car keys in one hand and I got my sword in the other and it's, it's going to be ugly. One other person so we can get off of this that needs to be mentioned is Otis. He loves us. Oh yeah. <laughs> Otis Day. There you go. Otis Day. Actually is Otis Day. His name is uh, Dwayne Jesse. Yep. That's his real name. And actually he changed his name because of this movie. And uh, what a great performance by him. One of the best songs ever for a, a college-type movie. It, and, and if you go to, if you go to college fraternity parties now, you will, you will see them uh, uh, imitating that, uh, that, that dance in the movie. We were doing that dance when I was in high school. Oh, everybody was. Yeah, that was, that, I mean, when that, after this movie came out, when I was in high school, we still, I mean, Seriously, folks, we still had sock ops when I was in high school. Well, they didn't call them sock ops. They were just dances. But this song was always played. And it was exactly like in that movie. We all did the same damn thing. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> we did college fraternity yeah. parties. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, if I tried to do that today, I'd never get off the floor. But that's a whole other story. So. That's because you're drunk and passed out. No, it's because I'm, like, pushing 50, dude. I'd like to see you do it. I could, but then I wouldn't. I'm not drunk. <laughs> I was gonna say you could get up either, even if you were sober. I can do it. I can do I it. I will sell tickets to the Walker fight. Oh, this from a guy who's <laughs> down at floor level. I'm already there, so it's easy for me. Yeah, I was gonna say for Jeff, that's a push-up. Ankle bag. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on with this show. Okay. All right. Uh, let's. Uh, so we've talked about the show, or I'm sorry, we talked about some of the actors here. Guys, favorite scenes. What I mean, what do you think about this movie? How much of this movie, because we all went to college, was there any part of the the what you saw on this movie kind of re, you could relate to or anything like that? I mean, I'm just curious. Because I have a couple of thoughts. Well, as I pointed out, I there was an Animal House fraternity that blew up someone's letters and set fire to their door. So one of the things I love is when you get to meet the Deltas because, you know, when everybody has to rush and if you've ever had to go through that, you know, people are putting their best foot forward. <laughs> you know, how do you meet the Deltas? Oh, John Belushi pees all over your shoes. Come on in. <laughs> Beer don't cost nothing. <laughs> what, is this the Delta house? <laughs> is this the Delta house? Yeah, come on right in. <laughs> Midstream. And the best part is, as they're walking up the steps of the house, they're kind of trying to kick off their pants and shoes <laughs> with the piss. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, For me, definitely the favorite scene in this is is when, um, I don't know what to call it, where where they basically are on on campus trial. And... <laughs> 
they're they're in the process of trying to kick them off campus and and you know you've got you've got both sides trying to present their argument to this kangaroo court who's who's going to get rid of them regardless and i can't think of a better way for that scene to end than the way that it ended with them you know with with the grand speech which you know has been quoted time and time again and and the classic march out but even before that you know just just the way you know john Belushi really steals the scene where where you know it it's it, like i said it's a kangaroo court and john Belushi, you know gets gets the crowd going and it is things that are just imitated hey shut up gas at, at a pro- at appropriate times in history bullshit 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 there is one particular scene that when i was watching it really brought me back to a certain point in gen con and it was it was the scene when john belushi who played Vitarski, was under the bleachers and his head was between the legs of two women and i thought i remember that my god he looks like somebody i know <laughs> I only wish we could find the person that took that picture. <laughs> this this And folks, yeah. folks, we we talked about this. I don't even remember what the hell podcast, but I think we all had a heart attack at one point. We were laughing so hard. It it it, it was a classic scene. This is what maybe two years ago, guys. We were we were there. We were like punch drunk. We were just having a good time, and and this group of people stood in front of us. Well, we got to say, we had just sat down on the floor yes. to take a load off. Yeah, we were just sitting on the floor taking a load off. We were leaning up against a, a, a you know, this wall, and this this group came up, and they were like, they were all cosplaying, and they're taking pick that. And I just made the comment. I said, I'd stick my head between that girl's legs and you know see if anybody takes a picture. And I was joking, but then somebody <laughs> took me up on it. And but that's the John so, Belushi of the group. So. Yeah, and, and the John Belushi of the group just next thing I know, he's on hands and fours, and he goes in there and does his best Marty Feldman impersonation, and <laughs> and sat there for I don't even know how long. I mean, there, I mean, I God knows how many pictures were taken, and the best part is, no one had a clue. No one. No, no one, one had, had a clue. A clue. The people taking the pictures had no clue. So, the people that were having the pictures taken yeah. of them had no clue. No. I cannot believe that you are not on the classic photobomb uh, <laughs> internet thing or whatever because that was classic. So when I saw that particular scene in this one, I, I had totally forgotten about it because, folks, I have not seen this movie in probably 20 years. But when I saw the scene when Belushi is under the bleachers looking up skirts, I thought, there's Muncie. Of course. There I am. So there you go. There's my favorite scene. Well, the other that. favorite scene was when Jeff Muncie was doing his ninja crawl throughout the, uh, to, to, <laughs> yeah. because the whole time I'm watching Belushi do the whole thing when he's in his ninja outfit, I'm just going, that's Jeff. All I <laughs> picture is Jeff just <laughs> doing it because you know, it's... what's sad, what's sad is, Steve, I cannot defend myself here because <laughs> This, when I see this, I think, did did I learn this from him, or were they just were they just they just kind of predicting what I was going to be like when I grew up? I mean, what were they channeling me in the future or something? I think you should sue. Well, I, no, maybe I should. But Steve, let me tell you, there's there's a part in here that reminds me of you every time I see it. <laughs> 
Okay, and it's the part where the, the, the fraternity's been kicked off campus, and um, and um, and everybody is over basically, you know, vacating the house and cleaning it out. And um, somebody drops like a case of Jack, Jack Daniels. <laughs> that looks and, and Belushi, Belushi's response, I um, I, I I think of you every time, Steve, as as he lets out this blood curling scream. Well, I, Jeff, I I cannot defend myself either because I, when I actually saw that scene, it's another one I forgot, and I actually started crying. I, and you know, and I'm sitting there going, you know what? It's just iced tea. But it, it was the fact that it looked like whiskey. That's what just broke my heart. I, yes, it, it's just just the symbolism just really affects I think it's a lot of a lot of us. But you know, the other thing that this whenever I see this movie, I mean, really, I mean, you know, kind of all of us are in here to a point. You know, I may be Belushi, you know, Slover may be Otter or, or the, the, um, or, uh, or Donald. But, uh, you know, you know, I, I definitely see Ken, Ken as Flounder. I see Ken as Dean Warman. <laughs> you know who Ken is? He's the mayor, Carmine. Car- <laughs> I, I gotta throw out, since I didn't get to throw out a favorite scene. One of my favorite, I mean, there are so many great scenes in this movie. They just keep throwing it against the wall. That was the thing. When I went to see this the first time, I was used to comedies as they were like in the 60s and 70s. Structured, they were structured, you know, flowing. This was just, we're just going to throw crap against the wall and it's going to be funny and you're going to laugh at it and you do. But the scene where Mayor DePosto and Dean Wormer are sitting in his office discussing the homecoming parade and making threats and such. Well, in the background, that dude with the chainsaw and the tape measure is working away. <laughs> yeah. With the horse legs just standing straight up. Yep. Classic. Yep. And there's just a ton of, uh, yeah, where do you stop? I mean, I love the, I love the whole bit with the golf. Hook it. Shit. Oh, <laughs> a pledge. <laughs> a pledge on your unit. Don't consider it work. So many great lines. Yeah. It, Ta- it, it, it's a quote fest. The entire movie. Yeah. Quote fest. All right, guys. And, it, and, it, and as Ken mentioned, what it is is vignettes stitched together. And that's what makes it work because it's a gigantic sketch. And you've got good sketch actors. You know, John well, Blue- it's basically a, a SNL type sketches. Yeah. Gross out, sophomoric humor, but just one after the other after the other after the other. And it's like they just keep coming, and you got you're laughing at each one. It does. I mean, if you're looking for a coherent plot, there isn't much of a coherent plot. But who cares? Yeah, right. because it's it's all fun. It's all it's all about having fun. All right, guys, uh, let's move on to some of the trivia because there's some interesting stuff here, uh, things that I actually did not know about. All right, uh, the movie concludes. By describing each character's fate, Niedermeyer was killed in Vietnam by his own troops. In director John Landis' segment of The Twilight Zone, the movie, some soldiers are overheard discussing fragging Niedermeyer. Is that before or after Vic Morrow got his head chopped off? God, you know that. You had to bring that up, didn't you? Ken. Bringing the show down. There you go. I have to get some like really bad violin music from now on to the cue in. All right, according to Landis, 
I'm sorry, according to John Landis, Universal Pictures President uh, Ned Tannen objected so strongly to the Dexter Lake club scene that he interrupted a screening of the film and ordered the scene to be removed immediately, claiming it would cause race riots in the theaters. In response, Landis screened the film for Richard Pryor, who then wrote to uh, uh, T- or Ned Tannen, say that three times fast, Jesus Christ, which read, Ned, Animal House is f***ing funny and white people are crazy, Richard. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a point. That's awesome. I mean, why would that cause a race riot? It was hysterical. Well, obviously there's humor things. Uh, let's see. I, I will say that movie could not get made today with that scene. You're, you know what? To be honest with you, you're right. There's a lot of movies that we talk about that probably could. Because the thing of it is, everybody is so friggin' PC and it's humor. My God, if you can't see the humor in that scene, it's whatever. All right. Not getting on that rant. All right, the hole that John Belushi makes in the wall with his guitar is the only physical damage to the house the movie makers made during the entire shoot. Instead of repairing it, the fraternity house placed a frame around the hole with an engraved brass tag around the hole commemorating it. That's pretty awesome, guys. Hmm. There you go. Okay, I like this one. To prepare for their roles. The actors playing the Deltas went to a real fraternity party at the University of Oregon's SAE house. Except for John Belushi, because he was still working on Saturday Night Live. The real fraternity members did not like the actors being there. And a brawl ensued. Well, because they were hitting on their dates. A damn right! May we dance with your date? Yeah. (laughs) So there was a fight, and when Belushi returned to the set and heard about the fight, he had to be physically restrained from seeking revenge. (laughs) So I love it. That's awesome. Uh, Let's see. We've got the film debut of uh, Kevin Bacon and Karen Allen. So there you go. So Kevin Bacon, who obviously everybody knows who he is, and Karen Allen, we uh, saw her in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Remain calm. Remain remain calm all as well. Uh, John Belushi's performance in the cafeteria scene was entirely improvised. When he began piling food on his trade, director John Landis urged the camera operators to stay with him. The infamous... (laughs) (laughs) Keep rolling. Keep rolling. (laughs) The infamous I'm a zit gag was also... Jesus, I can't finish. Because <laughs> you got to see it. The infamous I'm a zit gag was also improvised, and the reaction from the cast is completely genuine. I'm a zit. Get it, <laughs> Because well, that whole scene before that was improvised, from what I understand. Because oh, when you... Going down the food line? Yeah. No, when you see him do that zit thing... The look on the faces of everybody was like pure disgust. So that's awesome. Because they just had a bunch of food spit out the <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, Let's see. Uh, le- the scene where Bluto smashes a bottle over his head uh, to cheer Flounder up took 18 takes because Stephen first kept cracking up. <laughs> I love that because how do you how do you not keep a straight face in front of John Belushi? Well, and the way he kind of just does his happy dance after he's <laughs> You know, and the thing that is, he probably was doing a different thing every single time. Probably. Yeah. 
Uh, let's see. The bass player uh, in the band Otis Day in the Nights is an unknown bluesman, Robert Cray. Cray was instrumental yeah. in getting the musicians together that appeared in the band. So there you go. Cool. Nice. Uh, let's see. Uh, bu- 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 uh, the Delta House actors partied every single night, but director John Landis kept Jim Belushi separated by lodging them, <laughs> by lodging him and his wife, Judith Belushi Pisano, in a house miles away from the set. Belushi was a notorious partier, and Landis wanted him to be sober throughout the shoot. Belushi did host a few parties at the house, but stayed clean because he saw the film as a great career opportunity. And it was. And it was, yes. Yeah. Uh, Let's see, Harold Ramis. I I want to throw a point out, which is at this point, the general consensus was Chevy Chase was like the man coming out of SNL, and John Belushi was just like a a bit player. And And after this, pretty much... Chevy Chase was second banana to John Belushi. And they wanted Chevy Chase for this movie. Yes. For Matheson's character. Oh, yeah. There's there's a bunch of alternate castings, who they really yeah. wanted and who they got with two different things. Yeah. You know, that would have been an interesting choice, but I think Matheson pulls it off better. Oh, yeah. He's got that suave kind of suave yet. Still in college, college swave and deboner going. Yes, yes. But you know what? The thing of it is, is that Matheson is a good-looking guy. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not not, Chevy Chase. Not so much. Yeah, he's a little bit more that goofy comedian look. He's not going to sway the girls with that. I mean, he can do it with the humor, but not with the looks. He did have quite the 60s love then. I mean, Austin Powers would have liked that. <laughs> oh my God. That was right out of Austin Powers. Oh, my God. Yes. Right out of that. Especially in that dump of a... That's what I love. It's a dump, complete dump of a fraternity house. Except for Otter's Place. Yes. And it's, it's got that... What, the custom lighting, fold-away beds, and... You know, it's just a cool room. Yeah, sort of like my bedroom. Yeah, and it's got the bar. Yeah. All right. Speaking of which, Verna Bloom said that the scene with her and Dean Wormer, where she is drunken on the phone, <laughs> is uh, when he's on the. Fo- I'm sorry. The scene where uh, Dean Wormer and Christ, how the hell did IMDb do this? All right. The scene where she's drunk and he's on the phone with the mayor and she's playing with his face. Uh, with her feet, was completely improvised because John Landis did not like the dialogue that was in the script. So, there you go. That was awesome. I still think she's hot. Just and I love the way John Vernon is just like, <laughs> don't touch me. Get off me. He doesn't break character. He just, <clears throat> Mrs. Wormer is um, taking the baths in Saratoga. <laughs> oh, gosh. Let's see. Originally popular during the late 50s and early 60s, fraternity toga parties became a huge fad all over again after the release of this film. So there you go. I remember my first toga party. Never had a toga party. Toga. Here we go. Yeah. Yes. Did they sacrifice you as the goat? I'm sorry. (laughs) Let me tell you. 
There's nothing more liberating than walking around in just a big white sheet. Yeah. Did you wear a tie with that? I, a, I, 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 I did not. I, I may have had a, a wreath around my head, but that was about it. All right. The bottle of whiskey that Bluto chugs is actually colored tea. Really? Well, well no shit. Uh, this is part of keeping Belushi away from alcohol and drugs. I'm not even sure Belushi could chug a bottle of Jack Daniels. We'll never know. He might be able to chug it, but a couple minutes later, maybe not. He might chug it back up. I yield to no one in my appreciation for bourbon, but still. A man has to know his limitations. And that's not bourbon. Point of parliamentary procedure. <clears throat> okay, I, re I retract the previous... Uh, whatever. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Bourbon Country here. Yeah, but it's true. All right, guys. Daniels is not bourbon. It is not. It is not bourbon. It's sour mash. All right, uh, last one, guys. I like this here. Uh, the University of Oregon, which is where this uh, film was filmed, reluctantly allowed its campus to be used and gave the crew 30 days to complete filming. This meant that the cast and crew faced a six-day work week and completed shooting with two days to spare. Wow. There you go. I love that. That's awesome. That would be a grind. You guys, and you just got to stay on it constantly. Well, that's just it. I mean, it's, I mean, a 30-day shoot, but like you said, I mean, it was, you're, you were shooting vignettes. I mean, you weren't trying to shoot a very serious movie here. So I, I could see how they could do it. But maybe back then, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, this movie still holds up today. I'm going to guess a lot of these were done in one take. I'm thinking probably a few were. Yeah, or they just ran, kept running the camera because they had a tight budget. They only had $3 million for this movie. Wow, then that's not a lot of money at any point in time Ooh. for a movie. Uh, this movie made a boatload. Excellent Still? return on investment. Well, yeah, when you think about it, it made, let's see, what is the IMDb? Uh, it said it made three million and it grossed one hundred forty-one million six hundred thousand. So there you go. Yeah. So what you're saying is that uh, Donald Sutherland's agent threw <laughs> away twenty-one million dollars. <laughs> like I said, I bet he's fired. No, no. Like I said, he f***ed up. You think? Uh, he 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 totally said. Let let me consider this. Let me look at this. Ragtag bunch of douchebags. Uh, yeah, this this will never go anywhere. The thing of it is, can you actually blame the agent? Because how much? No, you when, can't. You, when no. you look at some movies, how do you think that they're going to turn out? Oh, this was nobody. This right. this was a bunch of nobodies with a nobody director. Some dude that had a part of you know gross out stuff on a TV show. Nobody saw. I, I saw this the first week it came out. I mean, like Friday night, it opened up, and we just went up to the movie theater just to thought, well, what the hell? I, I forget what. I, I think we were thinking about going to see the Deer Hunter or this. So we walked <laughs> in and just like we took a such right a, instead of a left. Such a pick me up yeah. movie. <laughs> There's a happy movie. God, when do we get that on the list? Because yeah, there's not enough booze. Well, I, I think I can remember, you know, like we were a little bit early, so I like stuck my head in the room and saw the end of the deer hunter, which, you know, that's a downer. And what? then you you went over and watched this, and it's an, it's an upper. 
with it was uh Henry the Fifth versus versus oh what's his name Ernest goes to prison. <coughs> what? I don't yeah. even know who you I people did are that. anymore. I went to the theater and I was standing in the hall going like. I can turn right and see Kenneth Branagh doing Henry V, or I can turn left and watch Ernest Goes to Prison, and you know, you know Ernest what you're getting with an Ernest movie. I don't know about this Kenneth Branagh dude. Oh, God. My. But I, I took the culture path. Wow. You know, there was a movie called Ernest Goes to Prison. There was yeah. Ernest movies during that period of time. It was ridiculous. It's Ernest goes to prison. Or Ernest goes to jail. One or two. To jail. Oh, All right. Lord. That's uh, 1990. Yeah. All right, folks. We are now moving on to brother. What you drinking, Mark? What do you got, sir? Uh, Trader Joe's just came out with their Joseph's Brow Oktoberfest German style lager. It's not. It's a lager. It, it's in the Oktoberfest realm of not very malty, more lager. Um, it's, it's a solid entree into the Oktoberfest. It, it does not stack up to, uh, Samuel, Samuel Adams, um, Oktoberfest, but it's, you know, I think it was like six bucks, a six pack, and it's, it's a solid lager, lighter version of Oktoberfest, and, uh, it's very drinkable. Um, but if you're, if you've kind of got the mindset of what a Oktoberfest should be based on Sam Adams, which is, as you reviewed earlier, Steve, a very fine Oktoberfest this year. It's not quite that, but um, you're not going to get hurt for six bucks for a six pack of it. Nice. All right. Trader uh, Joe's is the source of a lot of good drinks. Yeah. Very good wine department. Very good. Uh, Mr. Munster, what do you got? Uh, tonight, uh, I grabbed a beer out of the refrigerator. I, I, I've mentioned this before, but I want to say it um, again um, as a warning to others. I have the, um, from the, the Cutters Brewing Company, um, the Empire Imperial Stout. And the last time I, I had it, it was it was not too bad. This time, it um, it is not aged well. So it's... Uh, it, it and it's a it's a pretty strong imperial. I mean, it's it's kind of got it, it's one of the more hoppier imperials that I've had. But this bad boy, I don't know if I've ever told you the ABB on this, but this thing comes in at a healthy, potent ten percent alcohol. You know what? This no. beer almost reminds me of that dogfish. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, good that, Lord. The paint thinner remover? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> so how how far have you gotten on drinking it? I, I'm, I, am, I am not quite halfway yet. Gentlemen, it's a very sad state in my life right now. Oh, no. I, it's very hard for me to speak right now, but I am drinking Paps Blue Ribbon. The Russians just freaking bought it. I am drinking the last freaking American beer that was worth drinking. What has happened yeah. to this country that one of the greatest beers ever made is now in the hands of the Russians? My God! No, no, that, zzz, 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 zzz. The whole world's gone to hell in a handbasket underneath that Everything. 
If I was president right now, I would have had an executive order that Russia would be illegal and bombing would commence in 24 hours. My God, what has become of this country? I mean, it was bad enough when Burger King decided to go to Canada. I mean, that's, that, that, okay, fine. You know what? I didn't like your hamburgers anyway. But when Budweiser goes off to what, some Dutch company? All right, fine. You know what? Your, your beer was swill. Right, who cares? But my when, God. When the shirtless, you know, Vlad Putin comes riding his bear up to your brewery and says he wants to buy you, you just go along with it. No, you don't. You stand up and you fight. My God. We are Americans. This is an American beer. We have to stand up and fight for our rights. What kind of country is this where they are letting the Russians come in and take over one of the greatest beers that this country has ever had? I will not stand here and let them defame the United States of America. Who's with drink, me? Drink your beer. <laughs> There's just so many things like that. Things you thought you could count on are no more. When they have taken Pat's Blue Ribbon, what else do we have left? Uh, well, um, you got Jimmy Carter. <coughs> well, that was Ken's contribution. Mark, what do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I got Jack and shit and Jack left. Jack now. left. All right. Well, there you go. So there you go. That That's it, folks. That's what I'm and drinking. I got to say, I, I, I came to chew bubble gum. Kick ass and I'm all out of gum. All right, ass? there you go. Fine. Yeah. Thank you. So there you go, folks. I am drinking Paps Blue Ribbon because it's the last damn good American beer made in this country, and all of a sudden we let the Russians take it over. Great. Because I actually have a very good friend. I told him about that, and he said, you know what they're going to call it? It's not going to be PBR. It's going to be PBCCR. So nobody got the PBCCR. So. Yeah. <clears throat> not rising to the challenge. <clears throat> all right, though. <laughs> you know what? I don't even give a shit anymore. They took my freaking beer away. It doesn't matter. The country's going to hell in a handbasket. You know what? You need to go outside and yell at the damn kids to get off your lawn while you're at it. I already did that. All right, so I am done now. It is now time for it. It's now time for Catching Up with Ken. My darling, All right, Ken, what do you got? Uh, well, since it's been a couple of weeks since uh, I last gave a report, I've got a few things to report. Uh, last Friday night, I thought we were going to be doing our podcast, so I left work. I went down to the Brass Ring Tavern, which I've talked about before. It's a favorite after-drink spot of mine. I met up with one of my coworkers. Something I'll mention to, for Jeff's attention is, you know, you know what they have at the Brass Ring, Jeff, that you would like? Is that a strip club? Oh, no, no. It's a straight-up, very classy, sort of a 40s, 50s flashback sort of place. No, it was a strip club. I was going to I was gonna probably guess uh, a hair in the buffet, but go on. No, it's they, they've got two, count them, two busty Asian bartenders. I got to go, guys. I'll see you later. <laughs> My God! Having said that, though, one of them, the one we had a couple weeks ago, friendly, nice, courteous, on it. The one we had last week, and eh, not so hot. I mean, Blink. physically hot as a server, not so good. 
So like, you know, it's one of those things where like, oh, okay, I'll do you a favor and refill your drinks. Man, that gets old. Uh, but yeah, I'll put in a plug for Brass Ring. It's good. Uh, because it was such a dreary, cold night, I needed something to warm me up. So I went to the Nine Irish Brothers pub and had a shepherd's pie. Mm. Actually, not just a shepherd's pie, but one of their double shepherd's pies. Like twice as much to love. And again, Nine Irish Brothers is a new addition here. It's, uh, out of, I believe they're from Lafayette, Indiana, sort of a Purdue bar, but they're expanding. Good food does a whole throwback Irish pub, you know, recreation sort of thing. Uh, Saturday night, I went to Delicia, a sort of a fusion Mexican American restaurant bar up in Broad Ripple. Good food, hung out with some friends, had a great time. Then I went to Orange, the art and music thing down at the fairgrounds. Interesting stuff. Interesting. Uh, didn't stay real long because it was just me. Had a bunch of friends said, yeah, I'll go to Orange with you. And then it's like, okay, you got your tickets? Uh, no. Well, okay, can't get in without a ticket. Uh, moving on, uh, this week, I wound up having to go down to San Antonio for business. And it was just a quick in and out trip flying down, spent the night, met with some people we're doing business with. Uh, but while I was down there, uh, myself and the VP I went down with, we were, we were sitting around going like, man, we need to get some, uh, something to drink and, you know, watch the game, the culture playing. So we walked across the parking lot to the twist, to the, uh, tilted kilt, which I've never gone to tilted kilt. Oh yeah. How was the tilted kilt? The Tilted Kilt is good. Uh, the food was good. Service was great. Uh, but again, the, the idea of the Tilted Kilt is it's a, it's Scottish Hooters. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the waitresses wear very skimpy mini kilts. And actually, after about an hour there, I realized, hey, all the dudes here wear kilts too, but it took me a while to realize that. That's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, I came back to town Wednesday night. I met a uh, neighbor of mine over at Blackacre Brewing, the local brew pub, and I had uh, a beverage called their. They call it Vertical Sun. It's a Belgian wheat. It was very smooth, very tasty. I enjoyed it. Um, uh, I can report that uh, Blackacre has a IPA that they call. The Noxious Beast, <laughs> because it has 11.3% ABV. Oh. That that would be noxious. I didn't have it. I just looked at it and went like, no, that's not for me. I'm going to have a week. Weeks oh. are always good. All right. Oh, yeah. And then uh, tonight, I met one of my coworkers down at a place called Thunderbird, down at Fountain Square. It's an up, it's, it's a... It's established. It's been around for about a year. You know, great food. We just hung around because it was such a nice night. We hung out outside. Uh, when I was done there, went down to Mass Ave and had dinner at Yats, of all places. Had a big thing of Chipotle chicken and rice. And that's it. Nice. Oh, and I'm drinking vanilla vodka and Diet Coke. Where's the shock? Yeah, well, I do have to report. I, you know, I've had trouble finding Stoli vanilla vodka. Nobody has it. 
So a couple days ago, I went for a walk at lunch. I was just walking around downtown. I thought, I'm going to duck into Big Red Liquors here and see if they have some. I walked in, they had a whole rack of it. So I, I'm buying a bottle. So I bought a bottle. You know, they wrapped it up in my brown paper bag. But I was only about halfway done with my walk. So I, I you know, spent the next 20 minutes walking around downtown with my bottle. Then I went back to the office thinking, well, when I get to the office, I'll put this in my car. But then I realized I left my keys at my desk. I can't put it in my car. So I got to take it in. So, you know, I don't think in most corporate environments it's usually approved that to go walk around, you know, walk into your office with a great big bottle in a bag. But what the hell? I had to. Wow. All right, folks. That is it with uh, Brother What You're Drinking and Catch It Up With Ken. So it's now time to move on to our favorite part of the show, and that is clips. Clips! Our favorite part of the show. Guys, right. I only have a few. I've got like two or three. Shut up. I've got well, like two or three. Shit. Yeah, it, it just, we, I mean, we used them all up. No, I'm just kidding. All right, uh, let's see. Number one. Who dumped a whole truckload of fizzies into the swim meet? Who delivered the medical school cadavers to the alumni dinner? Every Halloween, the trees are filled with underwear. Every spring, the toilets explode. You're talking about Delta, sir. I thought they were talking about Jeff Monkey's house. Well, I was going to say, that's goes what I say. All right, uh, let's see, number two, one of my favorites. This year, we're going to grab the bull by the balls and kick those punks off campus. What do you intend to do, sir? Delta's already on probation. They are? Yes, sir. Oh. Then, as of this moment, they're on double secret probation. All right, uh, number three. Oh, what's my Delta Talcai name? Dorfman, you've given this a lot of thought. From now on, your name is Flounder. All right, uh, next one. Now, I want you to fix Pinto up, but it's got to be a very special girl. Listen, now, she should be decent looking, but we're willing to trade looks for a certain kind of morally casual attitude. Oh, you mean you want someone he can screw on the first date? Well put. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you mention it. <laughs> well, if you put it that way. All right, guys, I call this one holy shit. I don't know what it means. Holy shit! There were blanks in that gun! I didn't even point the gun at him. Holy shit. There were blanks in that gun. Maybe he had a heart attack. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, that's right out of Three Stooges. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when they have the incident with the pound, with the horsey. Yes. One more slip up. One more mistake. And this fraternity of yours has had it at favor. Well, that was pleasant. Nice of him to stop by, don't you think? <laughs> uh, Muncie? Yes? This is for you. I'm so afraid. <laughs> He's serious this time. I think he knows about the exams. He's right. You're right. We gotta do something. Absolutely. You know what we gotta do? Toga party. We're on double secret probation, whatever that is. We can't afford to have a toga party. You guys up for a toga party? Toga! Toga! <laughs> I think they like the idea, Who? <laughs> <laughs> I 
again every time I watch this movie. I'm like, there's Jeff Muncy. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that and I thought, nope, I gotta get that one for Jeff. All right. Point of parliamentary procedure. <laughs> Screw around. They're serious this time. Take it easy. I'm in pre-law, man. Thought you pre-med. What's the difference? <laughs> That's Jeff. Again, I, I can pose no argument right now. Yeah. Jeff, this is you again. Isn't this an indictment of our entire American society? Well, you can do what you want to us, but we're not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth the United States of America. <laughs> again. You can offer no counter to that statement. Uh, he he is. He, I can't think of anybody else that can pull that off as well as he does. I <laughs> no. mean, the, the the confidence in his face and the look. I mean, just the, the the look, the delivery. It's it's just it's actually inspiring and impressive. <laughs> uh, all right, another classic one from uh, this movie. Hey, come on, flounder. Can't spend your whole life worrying about your mistakes. You f***ed up. You trusted us. Hey, make the best of it. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, we've all been there, right? There's always the one guy said, "You f***ed up. You trusted us." Trusted us. <laughs> Friday. Sorry, guys. Uh, we've heard the quote numerous times. I don't play it anyway, but it's a classic. Mr. Dorfman. Hello. 0.2. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Had to put it in there. There you go. All right, guys. One of the classic quotes from this movie. What's this lying around shit? Well, what the hell is supposed to do, you moron? War's over, man. Wormer dropped the big one. What? Over? Did you say Over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Germans? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. Because when the going gets tough... The tough get going! Who's with me? Let's go! Come on! Again, <laughs> no way you can deny it. I can't. I, I, how have I not done that yet with you guys? <laughs> you know, um, I think you I'll have. I think you have. We we were just more drunk than you were, and we don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, that's it. That, that Here's the last one. I have no idea what the hell. I called this thumb, so whatever. <laughs> you can take your thumb out of my ass any time now, Carmine. <laughs> Steve would have had the same look of pleasure on his face as Carmine did. She was uh, hot, man. Come on. Steve Wormer's wife. Yep. I thought you were going to do cut the cake. Nope. Nope. There you go. So. Rebbing speed. <laughs> you know, that would actually was a great line when he said ramming speed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. All right, folks. That is it with, uh, let's see, where the hell am I at? All right. That is it with, uh, clips. We are now moving on to the checklist.
of this great and fantastic film. All right, number one. <laughs> Did anyone jump out of a window? Yes. A mannequin oh. was thrown out of a window in the Delta house. Oh, well on, done, Slover. Well I've done. Got an, I've got another one. Oh, here we go. A cheerleader was thrown oh. through a window, window into Timmy's room as he was looking at a Playboy after, during the parade. No glass was broken, but you are right, sir. Thank God. Nice, Muncie. like that. That's why I'm here. All right. Number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there a relevant female role in this movie? I don't even know where to begin, so I won't even begin. Not I'm going to say no. Oh, dear Lord. There's so many of them. but No, there's not. They're relevant. They're needed. I agree with Ken. I, I agree. I mean, there's none. I mean, I think all the females were relevant in this movie. All right. I need to know, besides the fact that it was in the movie, what in the hell was the purpose of all the girls that they ended up taking to the bar where Otis Redding was playing and, uh, and, and, and the dancing with, uh, with the clientele there? I mean, what, what, what was the purpose of that? If we took that out of the movie, we took that little vignette out of the movie, would we have changed anything? Well, we wouldn't have wrecked the car. Well, there's there's that. We no, have, it, it was, it was we, to demonstrate the futility of going on one of these stupid road trips. Okay, I'm glad you all support me that the irrelevant female roles in this movie were played by those four girls. I don't had, know. One had a great rap. The, I, I do not disagree with that, Mark. I do not. However... However, you're going to lose this one, Jeff. Don't, don't just quit fighting. I'm pretty sure I'm resting my case right now. I think I've proven that without those, I mean, that, that, cut those scenes out. We're, we're good. But every scene in this movie is a classic, and if you cut it out, that's just that's diminishing true. the whole. All right, we're moving on. All right, next one. <laughs> Was there a Wilhelm scream in this movie? I still say you need to put a real Wilhelm scream. I no, I no, I I no, I refuse. No, but but don't you just see? I mean, shouldn't Dean Warmer have done one of those screams? He should have. There was a scream, but I don't think it was a Wilhelm scream when Niedermeyer gets dragged off by his horse. But it wasn't a Wilhelm scream. No, no Wilhelm scream. No, or no, no Howard Dean scream. That's for sure. All right, next one. Was there a montage in this movie? I was going to say the entire last 10 minutes. I'd like 10,000 marbles, please. Yeah. I want to say that I believe that the whole creation of the Deathmobile scene actually is what inspired the A-team's later montages of making a tank out of a tractor or whatever they did every episode. Good point. Ken. Yes, I, I second Ken. As a matter of yeah. fact, I second, third it, and fourth it, and to be honest with you, that may have been the birth of the AT montage. I think it is. I think you're right. It's classic. Yes. Very well done, Ken. Could the female role be better played by Tony Katane? Well, there's she multiple. Could've, she could have. She could have classed this place up. Yeah. And these hound dogs that they had playing. Uh huh. What? Wait, wait, wait. Back up. What? 
months. Let your chin on that I one, Michael. I got you. I got you on that one, Michaels. <laughs> I even got you agreeing there. No, no, no. See, no. he who laughs last laughs best. Oh, he. <laughs> Son of a bitch must pay. Seriously, no. And none of you tried to stop me. And you're no. it's, you're no. all at fault. You're all oh, at fault. That's your deep blue sea moment there, Steve. <laughs> all right, uh, let's see. And last and certainly not least. And so it begins. Was there a B5 reference in this movie? No, yeah. there wasn't. Not one. Multiple. Muncie, seriously? <laughs> Disconnect right now. You're done. You're out, you're out of the group. <laughs> Oh yeah, this is this one is loaded with them. Yeah, actually. yeah. Yes. Actually, be, to be honest with you, folks, this movie has got main B five people. Go for I'm it, gonna, Jeff. I'm gonna I'm gonna name two of them. I'm gonna name the obvious one. And the other one I like. The, the first one is, of course, Stephen First, who played Via. Via. Uh, um, you have my uh, spool. Londo's Londo's assistant in the great show, but um. Um, the other one was um, Bruce McGill, yep. who had a great role. I mean, just I mean, he was he had a I mean, I really liked his character, and in uh, B five, uh, he played uh, Major Ed Ryan, and he was a commander on uh, which ship was it? Do you guys remember? Was it the Churchill? The Churchill? Maybe no. Yeah. The Churchill was the one they took out. No, it, it was the Churchill. It wasn't the Agamemnon. No, it was the Agamemnon. The Aggie was Sheridan's ship. Yeah. The Churchill was the one they took out. I cannot remember who he was commanding. But um, he, 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 I mean, he added some gravitas to that scene. Yeah. And I'm, I, it's too bad we didn't see him again. That would have been a great character to see pop back a couple times. Yeah. A nice reoccurring character. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Right. Because, you know, and it was, that was one of those things where when you saw him in B5, you're like, oh, there's D-Day. And yep. it's, I mean, and this guy does. When he is in the movie, he brings a certain, like you said, gravitas to a show. So. But then you watch this show and you're like, huh? <laughs> you see him, you're like, who's that guy? He's going to bring gravitas to anything. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. But well, there you what go. you're saying is that if, if Sinclair turned to one of his aides and says, where is this fellow? They would have said his whereabouts are unknown. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, folks, that is it with uh, the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist. We are now moving on to the review of this great and fantastic film. Oh, Steve, real quick. It was the Alexander. Alexander. Very nice. All right. Very good. All right, guys. Who wants it? Monty? Give it to Ken. I want to hear Ken. Ken hasn't done no. it. No. I've done the past couple. Oh, Steve? you have? No, no, I'm, I, no I'm out. That's Mark. It's no. Mark. Not it. Not no. it. I I don't feel worthy to do the review. Okay, yeah, I'll do it. Damn it. Go ahead, Ken. It's all Ken. yours. You can do this, Ken. Since I am the only person here who actually saw this when it came out in the theaters, I will oh, give the review. Oh, oh contraire, mon ami. I snuck in and saw it at the theater. What? They were letting minors. I mean, we, how how tall are you? Three feet Let tall. Let me put it this way: in 1978, 
they were not carding in Carmel at the Ratty Ass Theater that was in downtown Carmel. You're right. You could you could probably go in and watch, you know, they, Linda Lovelace up there. They didn't care. I'm sure. I think I saw Brian Miller actually doing that. <laughs> Coming out of behind the green door. That deep throat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I bet he, I suppose I, so. Not, I thought he took those all in at the drive-in down in Rushville, though. Not to impugn his character. No. no. All right. Well, anyways, uh, this movie, as I said earlier, was a groundbreaking movie. It set the template for comedies that dominated the screens all through the 80s. It was the, you know, the slobs versus the snobs. It was the gross-out humor. It was the fast-paced sketch comedy stitched together, just one scene after the other. It was also the first of many movies that have come out over the years to feature folks from Saturday Night Live. Uh, SNL was a major phenomenon, a, a fresh phenomenon back in the uh, early and late 70s. And this was one of the first movies to take one of the character, one of the, one of the actors, the comedians from that, and turn it into, you know, a, a big hit. We could go on a whole tangent of movies inspired by SNL, uh, sketches or, or actors. It's a long, long list. And there's some good ones in there, but there's a lot of stinkers too. This is definitely not a stinker. It opened the doors for a lot of actors. We mentioned a lot of these people in this movie. This was their first role. They'd never been seen before. And they went on to do great things. It was fresh. It was exciting. I mean, there was not, uh, nothing like, you know, nothing, nothing had gone to the heights that this movie did. There had been similar movies bouncing around, but they didn't really do much in the way of box office. Uh, this thing with the major box office, it was a massive hit. And as we've degenerated into all night long, it's inspired a lot of lines, a lot of gags, lots of things that have worked their way into the culture. And I know I say that a lot, but I, I do think that when you have a movie that inspires people just popping off lines, well, that movie has done its job. When I look back at this, it still holds up. It's still funny. A, a nice thing about watching it to prepare for this is I don't think I've seen this for many years, and I especially I have not seen an uncut, unedited version for many years. So it was you know, good to see it like I saw it originally in the movie. Lots of laughs. If I have to give it a rating, I'm going to give it a 9.5. Nice. I'll second the motion. Third. Yeah, this story, I'm going to borrow some of Steve, Steve's classic lines here, but you know, these characters are, are pretty one-dimensional. Um, there's not much story here. The story is, 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 is loose at best. It's just a series of skits strung together. Some at times done well. Others like the, uh, uh, you know, the group going and, and trying to pick up chicks at a, at a, uh, a nursing school or nursing sorority house or whatever it was and going to see, uh, Otis Day and you know that that whole thing there just got a little wonky but the parts are actually I think better than the whole it's a solid movie you won't be disappointed in watching it just there's some 
great lines, great gags, great acting by some. I'm actually going to come in a little bit low here. I'm going to give it an 8.5. 8.5 is still a solid movie. I can see where you actually come through, because it is, at one level, it is just a bunch of gags strung together. But it was it's, it'll, funny then, and it's still funny today. Yeah, it is. It's a funny show. I mean, we we, 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 we quote these things in our day-to-day lives. All right, that is it with the review. So that is it with the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 126. Check us out on our website at mancavemoviereview.com and look for us on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review. And uh, we're also on Stitcher and Man Cave Movie Review. And leave us a comment and tell us if you like the show. Drop us an email at mancavepodcast at gmail.com. So that's it. What this show. Thank God. I'm your host, Steve Michael, signing off with my very good and dear friend, Ken. Modified dance with your dates. Ronnie. This podcast is over? It's over. I don't think it's over. Oh, here we go. I'm not going to go any farther because you know the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well done. All right. And also saying farewell and adieu is our really good dear friend, Mark. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Slower. I predict that after this podcast airs, we will receive more than two dozen reports of individual acts of perversion so <laughs> profound. And disgusting that the quorum prohibits. All right, and last and certainly not least, our other very good and dear friend, Jeff, Rush Chairman, Munson. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be brief. The issue here is not whether we broke the rules or took a few liberties with our female podcast guest. We did. But you can't hold an entire podcast fraternity responsible for the behavior of a few sick twisted individuals. For if you do, then shouldn't we blame the entire internet system? And if the whole internet system is guilty, then isn't this an indictment on our entire podcast internet journalism community? I put it to you, Steve. Isn't this an indictment on our entire American society? Well, you can do whatever you want. We're not going to sit here and listen to you bad mouth the Man Cave Movie Review Podcast. Gentlemen, who's with you? I'm going to leave and go to bed. Very well done. Thank you. All right, folks. That's it with the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 126. Alright folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 126, and today we're going to switch it up. We know we said we are going to do Animal House, but you know what? We decided to make a last minute change. We're going to be talking about one of Jeff Muncy's favorite movies, Deep Blue Sea. This great and fantastic film stars Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson, Saffron Burroughs, I'm going to introduce our uh, our guest here, uh, my good and dear friend Mark. No, I am not the guy from Highlander. Slover. Now you see how that works. Muncie screwed with the podcast, and now the podcast is screwing with us. I'm telling you. And also introducing our other very good dear friend Jeff. Physics. We don't need no physics in underwater, Muncie. 
So Jeff's not here right now, so we're going to move on to this great and fantastic film and let you guys uh, know what this great thing is about. All right, let's hear it. brothers on a mission to find more beer find themselves on an isolated research facility and become the bait as a trio of intelligent sharks fight back. What are all these motherfucking sharks doing in my motherfucking kegerator? Hi, Jeff. <laughs> I actually think he dialed up. He did. He disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I have to call him. Jesus Christ, he actually disconnected. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Get him back online. <laughs> All right, get back out. We're doing the show. That that was for the blooper clip. <laughs> He said he goes, he wasn't about to give us the satisfaction <laughs> of listening through the thing, so he's going to wait for it. Oh, my gosh. As Muncie, I will not give you the satisfaction of gigging it. I not. I said, I heard that. I said, where's, where's my sign-out button? <laughs> I'm getting the fuck out of here. All I saw was a text from him that said, screw you, I'm out. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to talk about Samuel L. Jackson's stirring speech. Screw <laughs> you guys. I'm going home. Uh, uh, that's going to be classic. All right. Uh, just so I know, because I've got everybody dialed back in. Yeah, sorry and I'm late. I just couldn't get on. That's all right. And you, you've missed absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> I'm just glad you could be here. <laughs> These hoople heads, my God. All right. Uh, guys. Touche, gentlemen. Touche. 